1: looking for truth from God's word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
2: But he didn't give up. He said, okay, this is heavy on my heart. He said, look at how many times I was beaten, I was robbed, I was thrown in jail, I was spent a night and a day in the deep, and yet all of this, I still had the care of all these churches that I helped plant. Talk about discouragement, but he didn't, he didn't give up. Maybe some of you are wrestling with that right now, and you might be thinking, maybe this discouragement means that um, I'm failing. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're failing at all. It may mean just at a time that you need to go back to the Lord and see that the Lord can repurpose your life again and give you that new purpose again. The second truth I learned in here was that the secret of success is not to, watch this, to try harder or to quit. It may mean that we just need to trust. Some of you might be trying so hard to make your marriage work and it's not working. It just seems like it's not, it's not coming together like you want. You keep work, 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 try, try, try and you almost keep aggravating that relationship. And so you're coming to the point that says, you know what, I want to quit. I want to give it all up. I'm done. I'm, I'm out of here. When the Lord says, you know what, just do right and trust me. Just do what I tell you to do and trust me. Don't try harder, just trust me. And to trust the Lord means to trust by doing what He wants you to do and then leaving the results up to Him. Some of you might be working very hard on your job and it's not going anywhere. Maybe you feel like you need to quit. It's possible. But maybe God wants you to just trust Him a little bit longer. I'm reminded of that person who... He bought all this stuff to go into this gold mining business and he got his donkey and his his pickaxe and all that he needed to live out into the mountains. While he was out there, he uh, didn't get anything. Chipped away at that mountain for so many months and perhaps years and finally gave up. Took his donkey and the pickaxe and he headed back into town and there was one guy as he met him into town, said, I don't need this any longer, there's no gold in them there hills. And this guy says, well, can I buy yours? I'd like to try. And the guy said, yeah, you can just about have all this stuff where were you digging? and told him where it was so he went back to the very same this is a true story by the way went back to this place the guy was digging and when he did he dug for a few more days and when he broke through he actually got into a vein of the largest gold mine in the Rocky Mountains of all of America and all he did was go a little bit further and so maybe for some of you just do right trust the Lord it's not work harder just do right trust the Lord And it'll happen. The next lesson to learn is the problem often isn't where we are, but it's who we're listening to. It's not where we are, but it's who we're listening to. I got thinking about that the Lord is there. He is so smart. He is watching Peter not follow his calling in life. And what happened then is the Lord redirected all of the fish cuz he's the you know he created the world he redirects all the fish away from those guys fishing so they're not catching anything. And I could imagine those guys kept throwing the net, throwing the net, throwing the net, throwing the net, throwing the net. They did this hour after hour, all night long, and they're not catching anything. And these are well-seasoned, experienced fishermen that really knew that lake. They grew up in that industry and probably had families that were in it. They talked that story. They knew everything about it, and yet they didn't catch anything, and they're scratching their head. We're not catching This is very unusual. And then at the right time, all the Lord said was, take that net, and I want you to throw it about 20 feet on the other side of the boat, over the boat, throw on the other side, and the Lord sovereignly redirected all of the fish. That he wanted into that net. Now how many fish did he want into the net? 153. What size of fish? Scripture said very large. So what the Lord did is he redirected all the smaller and middle sized fish. He didn't direct 152 or 154. He directed 153 fish into this net. Now this net did not break. It could have. But he then prevented that net from breaking. Now it only happened because Peter listened to him. So at times, it might be not that um, where we are, it's who we're listening to. Some people might say, you know, maybe I need to leave this marriage. Uh, Maybe we need to listen to the Lord more. Maybe I need to leave this job. Maybe we need to listen to the Lord. Maybe we need to leave this state. Uh, Maybe we need to listen to the Lord. I, I don't know, but I'm asking you, before you make those major decisions in your life, you listen to God's word and you'll find in certain cases he speaks very loudly. Do not leave your marriage. Other times it's going to be a small, still, sensitive, sweet message from him on whether you should stay or leave in the job, stay or leave in the church, stay or leave on the island, whatever it might be. But I want you to know it's not where you're going to be It's who you're listening to because if you don't listen to him here, watch this. If you choose to go anywhere else or get out of anything that you're in, if you're not listening to him here, it's likely you're not going to listen to him there and you are on the path away from the purpose that God has called you to and the greater work of repurposing you will have to take place. So again, it's not always where you are, it's who you're listening to. And then we're never very far from success when we permit Jesus to just give the orders. You know, sometimes it's just one little thing and then finally we do it and it's like everything just opens up. Just something happens that we never expected Him to do in our life when we do it. I just encourage you to consider that. Now, some of you are going to be asking when I say, listen to the Lord, do what He says. You're saying, does that mean that there's going to be a visible appearing of the Lord to me? Will he make himself known to me like he did with Peter and these guys those three times in Scripture? Will he do that here? The question is, can he do that? He can do anything he wants to do as long as it's found in Scripture. In other words, he confines himself by his own choice to what he does and says here in Scripture. So now the question is, is if he does manifest himself, why would he do that just to show up? I've seen people say, oh, I've seen Jesus in a cloud. I've seen him on a tortilla chip. I've seen him in a, in a driftwood or something. That's not Jesus, all right? So then when he does reveal himself, is it merely just to stand there as some kind of an image and some kind of an item that we see? No, when he does manifest himself, every time he's manifested himself it is for him to give a message to those people to do something. And when he does, it's never contrary to what he's already revealed in Scripture. So now we know that the scripture, the canon of scripture, God's mind on paper, the voice of God, what he wants us to know, is held between Genesis and Revelation of the Bible you have in your lap. So that means how does the Lord reveal himself or make himself known? He will make himself known through his word. Now, He will often use circumstances to reveal Himself in a sense to drive you to the Word. He will reveal Himself when you go hiking or swimming or out there in God's creation. As you begin to realize there's got to be something behind all of this. So He does reveal Himself out there in His creation. But He is not His creation. He's bigger than all of that. But He manifests Himself through His Word and He speaks to you through His Word. So if you want to be repurposed in life... The first place to begin is to humble yourself like Peter did. Go to Jesus Christ, to his word, to listen to what he has to say, to really get to know him. And as you do, there'll be things you'll go back, you'll confess, you'll redirect. There'll be new things that the Lord will teach you through the word and you're going to sense this from God of where you should go in moving forward with your life. And I just want to encourage you. He wants to repurpose every single one of us for his glory. Let's look at the second truth. And this begins a little bit later in the passage. The very next verse says this. It says in verse 8, But the other disciples came with their little boat. They brought the fish. In verse 9, So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. So there was already fish there. The fire was already there. And there was bread. Kind of reminds you of when he took the loaves of bread and the fish and he divided it all up among those 5,000 plus people. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have now caught. So he had fish and he said, Now bring some of your fish. So Peter went up and he drew the net to the land full of large fish, 153 of them. Although there were so many, the net was not torn. I got pondering about that. Obviously, the large fish, that must have been quite a a sight to see. I would think that when these guys would go fishing and they threw their net out, they would have all different sizes of fish. But in this case, only large fish came in. So that in itself was astounding because no fish. And now when they caught fish, it was large fish. Okay, then it said there was 153, and I thought, what's so big about the 153? Well, it might tell us, again, that John was present. John was a detailed individual, and we wanted us to know detail. The Holy Spirit led him to put that in here. It could have been while those guys were looking at all the fish coming in, There's some guy's personality would say, look at all those fish. I wonder how many there are. And so they decided to count them and it got into scripture right here. The point of the matter, if we just said there was a lot of fish, some of you would say, probably four or five fish. That's a lot of fish. When I go fishing, two fish becomes a lot of fish. All right. Now there's 153 of these out there. So now for them, that is quite a load of fish that they got. Notice what Jesus then does. I love this about this passage. He says, bring some of the fish here. So Simon drew the net, got all the fish, and Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you? Why? Because now they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them, and the fish likewise. Now here's what's so neat about that passage Jesus now creates the need, he solves the need. He invites them to come and have fellowship with him. He doesn't berate them because they went back to fishing at all. He doesn't condemn them for that. What he's now redoing is repurposing their life again. Reminding them what they're to be there to do. Brings them all in. Then he says, now come. I think the guys came. Peter being a strong man. Drugged the net up there. Brought some of the fish upon the coals of fire that was already there. Jesus is there and he says, come on and eat. Come and eat. I believe those guys just stood there. Because then it says, and then Jesus came and he offered them the fish. Which I think they were standing there. And so while he said, you come, when you come, then I will meet you with those fish. I got thinking of that phrase, come. And so I said, that kind of says like, have fellowship with me. Have something in common with me. Come and eat. Chow down with me. Let's sit. And we would say in Hawaii, let's talk story. Let's, let's really kind of get into each other's life and see what's happening with one another. That phrase, come, and do something happened at least two times in Scripture where Jesus spoke. In the Gospels, he said, Come all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you remember that phrase? And so I'm thinking about all of you that might be heavy laden right now. And he says, I want to have fellowship with you, but I want you to come to me. It's your first step is to come to the Lord. And he says, you come to me. You make the decision to come. Then you come. And as you come, then... I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Which tells me that if you say, you know what, being a parent is so hard, being married is so hard, being single is so hard, my job is so hard, or better yet, serving the Lord is so hard, then I believe that we're not really serving the Lord or serving our family or serving our work or serving our kids. I think what's really happening, we're serving ourselves. But when we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, I am heavy. This is heavy laden. But I am going to now cast my burden upon you. And you said it will be light. When we serve the Lord, there's a sense of joy. There's a sense of peace. There's a sense of accomplishment. And we too will see God do supernatural things that will begin to happen in our life. It's when we're struggling and trying to do it all of ourselves. It doesn't happen. So he said, come. Have fellowship with me. Come. Enjoy. The other time he said that, he says, all you who are thirsty, come. And I will give you drink and you will never thirst again. Well, I think technically that would be said to those who do not know Christ as Savior. When they drink of the Lord, you never need to trust Him again for salvation. But I also think, as Hudson Taylor would say, that when you come and you drink of the Lord and you really know Him and you're taking Him in through the Word, you're abiding in the Word, the Word's abiding, you're drinking of the truths of Christ, that there is a satisfaction with Him that only He can provide for you. Those who are true Christians, those who are true Christians, don't abandon the faith. They might have some weak faith moments in their life, but they won't abandon the faith, the true Christians. Because once you drink, you'll never thirst again because Christ will meet your need. So I got thinking about these guys and having a real relationship with him. So I use this little fun acrostic. I hope it means something to you. It really works for me biblically. The first is to recognize his presence everywhere. Sometimes, um... I've heard people say, oh, that music was so inspiring today. Or, oh, that preacher was so inspiring. I get that. There are times that you'll really sense a wonderful worship experience. You'll understand a great speaker will be up there and he'll know how to really craft the words and give you the word. And he's really bringing Christ to you. And you can really experience the presence. I I get all of that. But I don't want you to think that merely being in a building and hearing certain music and a certain speaker is where the Lord is. Because he is everywhere we go. And so I put down this, recognize the Lord and his presence is everywhere. I want you to know that you can have a worship experience as you're stuck in traffic tomorrow. He doesn't just show up like Santa Claus. He's in your life every moment of your day. So in this passage, yeah, physically, they're here, he's here, and he says, come to me. Now, physically, he's not here. He is everywhere present. So that means wherever you are, you can enjoy his presence even when you're at work. Let me challenge you to do something. Tomorrow, wherever you are when you're having lunch, would you try to capture a moment where there's no noise that you can control that's around you, and at that very moment, purposely think that Jesus is right there. And at that moment, would you have a conversation with him? I know we can talk to him at any time. Some of you are talking to him right now, but I mean at special time that you can realize he is wherever I go at that very special moment. A group of the deacons uh, about a month ago were invited to go uh, as a deacon day, we called it. And um, we rented one of those pontoon boats on K Bay and had a wonderful time out there. And we got to one location, and it was the sandbar. I've never been on K Bay, been on a pontoon boat before, but never on K Bay. And we went out to the to the sandbar. And we were, when we first arrived, we were one or maybe the only boat. Maybe there's another boat there. I don't know. And a bunch of the guys got out. Some did a little fishing. Others decided to go for a walk along the sandbar. And I, you know, I haven't fished, and I do enjoy fishing. I just don't ever have time to... I don't play much. I don't play well. But um, I borrowed a fishing pole. I forget even who had the fishing pole. And, and Kevin, he's your master fisherman. He baited that thing up and got all the stuff together, hooked it all up, and he said, Okay, Pastor, here you go. So I went ahead, and I cast it out there. Well, after a while, I looked around, and there was nobody in the boat. I couldn't even see how far they walked. Others went snorkeling at the other end of the deal. I'm all by myself here. And I thought, this is really cool. I had a time to be just with the Lord. And I just enjoyed that moment. I was looking at the beautiful Kola Mountains out in the front, and the sun was warm, and I was catching fish. Didn't catch large ones. Nowhere near 153. But I was having a special moment with the Lord. I realized wherever we go, it doesn't have to be in my office. It could be in the serenity of a time with the deacons or with your family. But Jesus says, come, come. And when you think of dining, I want you to think that oftentimes fellowship is around food. Do your own study sometime and find out how much fellowship food is somewhere in the mix. The second is enjoy his company. Enjoy his company. You know, I was thinking about being with Jesus. If I was out there and I was coming in and he said, come and be there, wouldn't you have loved to have been there as a person sitting on a log and just listening to the conversation that Jesus had with so-and-so? You know, some of you, when you invite me to your house, I I tend to be more quiet. Some of you know that, unless you you punch my button and then I just, I can't shut up. But when I go there, I sit there and I have to tell you, I've been in some of your homes. I really enjoy the chatter that you have with one another. Sometimes you'll see me on the lanai before church, and if I'm not talking to someone, if you see me kind of standing and kind of looking at the lanai, I call it the holy hum. I love hearing you. I love watching you. I enjoy that. But nothing is more special when you can just sit down and not pray necessarily, not be reading your Bible, but just enjoy the presence of the Lord, the one who loves you, the one who will provide for you, the one who is everywhere present, the all-self-existent one. And remember, we serve him and worship him first from the inside out. So if you want to have a lasting real relationship, you have to really enjoy the Lord. Here's something that I have found. If I'm um, in conflict with someone and we're not conflicted right then in an argument, but I'm put in a position where I have to be around that person that I'm conflicted with, Do you know that I don't enjoy being with them? Do you enjoy being with someone that you're kind of, eh, like that? You know what I'm trying to say? When mom's not happy, nobody's happy, so you don't want to be around mom. You know what I'm trying to say. Well, sometimes we could be that way with the Lord. And you know what the problem is? Not the Lord. It's because we've regarded iniquity in our heart. And we want to come to the Lord, but we bring all of our junk with us instead of enjoying Him with a conscience that's free from guilt. The next is the letter A, and I put down here, Accept His Invitation. I wonder what it would have been like if the Lord said, Come and eat with me. And these guys said, Nah, I want to go out and get more fish. If we've got 153 this time, we can get 160 the next time. They didn't do that. They came at the invitation of the Lord. And you're going to find many times that the Lord is inviting you, not only into his presence, but is inviting you to do the things that he wants you to do. And lastly is to listen to his leadership. I've spoken already a lot about that, so I don't need to bring that to you now, but... Often, when you are enjoying his presence and you want to have a relationship with him, still remember that it's not God in you. I want you to remember it is the Lord God Almighty, and we're here. And like Peter did, if you remember the first time they caught so many fish that the net broke, he fell on the face on the ground and he worshiped the Lord and said, I am not worthy to be in your presence. He confessed that sin, he humbled himself. This time he jumped in the water with his clothes on to get to Jesus, but he wasn't going to swim to him half naked because that's Jesus. It's the Lord. And so there was a time of realizing who he is. So when you are in his presence, take the time to perhaps open up his word and listen to what does he have for you. I believe that there's enough hearing this message today that the Lord is already speaking to about some changes you need to make in your life to be repurposed. And I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit will do exactly what he claims to do. That is to prompt you, convict you, remind you, teach you, and empower you to do the purpose for which God has called you to do. But please take the time to get alone and say, Lord, what's the purpose for my life? There's an overall purpose. Bring glory to the Lord. Reach others for Christ. Have fellowship with him. And then there's just some practical things that he might have you do as a way to manifest that greater purpose. How would he have you engage the culture with the gospel? What ways are we missing fellowship with him? Whether it's corporately, communion, fellowship opportunities like our melee night tonight. Or maybe privately some fellowship alone with him. Where we make it real. We recognize his presence. We enjoy him. We accept his invitation and we listen to him or with him. I pray that be the case and maybe some of you the Lord is ready to repurpose you so that you can be all that God wants you to be. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to bring you back to that phrase when Jesus says, come all you who are thirsty. And when you come to him and in that invitation, it's you coming then to receive from him eternal life found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And for you, maybe your purpose is for you to realize that you're a sinner and you need a savior. And my heart's desire is that you would realize that Jesus Christ is Lord, but he's savior and he's the only savior. And he so much wants to be your forever savior. And if you'll just come to him and say, Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I know I can't get to heaven by my good works. But right now I'm trusting in you and you alone for the forgiveness of my sin. Lord, I'm a, I'm a broken human being and I'm asking you to repurpose me I'm asking you to not just inspire me or inform me but I'm asking you to transform me and so I'm now trusting you as my savior and I'm allowing you father and asking you to come and change me from the inside out as your now new son or daughter to be what you'd have me to be And today I heard how that Peter, as a believer, was repurposed again with his guys to cast the net on the other side. Go fishing. Fishing for men. And how that you said, come and eat. And for us is to have fellowship. And Lord, as a believer in Christ, I want to do that. I want to make sure that my purpose is still not forgotten, that I've been left here to help engage the culture with the gospel, whether it's full-time vocational work, vocational ministry or we might call a secular job but with the purpose now being out into the culture and engaging them in some measure some way the way you'd have me to help them come to faith in you help me father use me with my giftedness my personality my abilities my passion my experiences whatever you brought into my life help me To live out my purpose for you. Maybe some of you would like to have prayer. Maybe some of you today. You're trusting Christ as Savior. And if you are. I'd like to pray for you. Not to save you. Because I can't. But to welcome you into God's family. Because you have trusted Christ. Our gracious Heavenly Father. I thank you for the way that you love us. And just like you did with Peter. You didn't condemn him. Or criticize him. You just reminded him again. That you are Lord. That you are God. And what you did earlier on in their ministry with the fish, you did it again, reminding them that they need to listen to you and obey you each and every time. And when they step aside and out of bounds to get back in again, they just need to come back to you again with confession and repurposing. Now, Lord, help us as we meet together again next week as we learn the final two instructions that he gives on repurposing for their life as well as for ours. And Father, we pray this in your name.